Welcome to You Talks, brought to you by State of You. <clears throat> Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of You Talks. I'm very happy to be here with Dr. Philip Zafet, who is joining us from Paris. And today we'll talk. Today we'll talk about youth in the environment and also youth in the CRC committee. So, according to you, Philip, I would like to share the floor with you and basically discuss a bit about the work of the CRC and basically your own journey as well and how you came to join this group and what's your role in it. That's a very vast question and I'll try and be very short and as should be. But um, I've been involved in child rights at uh, in the academic field and in the civil society uh, arena for a long time. And then all of a sudden someone said, but why not uh, try to join the Committee on the Rights of the Child? You may have some more impact. And strangely enough, um, as all members of the committee, you have to be presented by a state for an election to the committee. And Switzerland said, well, maybe, why not? Let's try. And I got elected. So I was uh, very proud and I, 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 I was very thankful to uh, Switzerland's diplomacy because I, I, there are a lot of very good candidates. But I've always said that Switzerland has um, could have anyone elected, uh, even myself, because my my election um, uh, how should I say it campaign was based on knowledge about children's rights, but also giving chocolates to all the uh, delegates in uh, New York. Yeah, but if it was Swiss chocolate, it's the best. Exactly, it worked very well. So I think the chocolate was the the clincher, as we say. And it's a uh, if I'm not mistaken, eighteen members, right? From yeah, we're 18 members and um, uh, at this point we're uh, slightly more women than men uh, starting now actually um, from all over the world and uh, the way it works in the UN is that we have representatives of all the regions of the world um, sort of proportionally. So Western Europe has three members at this point, Eastern Europe has two members, Asia and the Pacific has a uh, three members and then Africa and so on and so forth. So it's a very diverse group and uh, that's uh, what makes it, um, I think, very credible uh, on the global stage. But it also, as you can imagine, uh, complicates discussions and negotiations because we really, first of all, the language, but also we see the world quite differently depending on where we come from. And uh, sometimes it's a bit maddening to have to find compromise. But the thing is very interesting, but, but at the same time, as you said, challenging. And how have you been able sometimes to overcome these challenges coming from so many different parts of the world, so many different ideas? I think it can be difficult sometimes to reach a conclusion when you work oh. in such a global. Don't tell me, it can be so frustrating. The, 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 main, the, the main frustration comes from the fact that even if you want to do things well with well-meaning colleagues it takes a lot of time because you have to explain things and understand the other person's viewpoint and that takes much longer but the so far in my experience with the committee what what has been really wonderful and it's a tradition on the committee on the rights of the child um, that we only take decisions by consensus so 
we work it out. So it doesn't mean we're always happy with the outcome. Sometimes you have to, you know, make compromises in your mind. But overall, uh, everybody tries to reach a point where nobody is too disappointed in a decision. And mostly we, 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 we reach, I think, fairly sensible uh, solutions. Um, and then I could just add that we have a couple of members and I'm not one of them. I'm a very uh, impatient and, and impulsive and well, impulsive, maybe not, but, but we have some really great diplomats who know how to work things out. And so that, that helps a lot. No, I think it's very interesting and it's great to see such a variety of opinions and often it, it really leads to the best conclusions. So now if you want, we can speak about more about general comment in general, which is one of the functions of the committee and more specifically about the new one that is upcoming and uh, number sure. 26. So on the basis of selecting a general comment, could you please maybe explain what a general comment is generally, how you select a topic or a theme and the importance of it? Yeah, sure. Maybe I could just step back a bit uh, and explain that the main official mandate of the committee is to see how each state that has ratified the convention implements um, children's rights um, under its responsibility. Um, so, but then we have given ourselves a few additional mandates that uh, stem from our work. And one of them is to produce general comments which um, do two things. Um, first of all, uh, we uh, try to explain issues that are contained in the convention to clarify ideas so that uh, civil society and states understand the, the full meaning in our, in our view of, a, of an article or a concept. So let's say child's best interests or non-discrimination and children's rights or something like that. And then we also try to choose topics that are current, that need to be analyzed with the lens of children's rights. And that is, for example, uh, children's rights in the environment. So those are the two prongs. And the way it works is that we try to always have a general comment in the works. So as soon as we finish one, we try to um, begin a new one because, and, and, and it would be nice if we could do several at once, but we don't have enough resources. So we have to choose carefully. And um, well, I don't know if you agree, but I would say that children's rights and the environment is a priority for just about every living human organism in the world, whether it's children, adults, or, or and even um, uh, animals. So we, we, we just need to survive at this point. And so this, this topic is really important. For sure, for sure. And we have seen such a, a movement of young people, particularly around the mm -hmm. environment. It, it, it seems to be the most important topic, actually. Yeah. And, and yes, and let me pick up on that because uh, the way uh, we choose uh, the, the topics um, sometimes are, how should I say it, um, fairly encapsulated. We, we think, oh boy, what is really important here? For example, um, a few years ago, we, we talked about um, uh, the right to health, for example. I mean, that's a big issue. And, and then um, we also uh, were addressing issues like um, uh, juvenile justice. And, but 
there were a couple of topics that were really brought to us by children and young people. Um, one of them is uh, children's rights in the digital environment, and that's our last general comment. And very specifically, uh, we had been talking about for a while children's rights in the environment, and actually we had what is called a day of general discussion, I think back in uh, 2016 on this specific topic, and then it kind of got left on the side. And I'm a little bit embarrassed that it got left on the side until young people started protesting in 2019. And when there was a huge movement, and you may recall this, uh, Konstantinos, uh, I know you were in many ways part of it, it's all of a sudden young people and children had captured the agenda. And here we were, the committee, a little bit um, flat-footed. Whoa, wait a second, they're, they're, we, we better catch up with this. So we decided that we were gonna work on the general comment on children's rights in the environment. And there's another reason, and, 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 and I'll just mention it. Uh, we also received a um, very significant complaint uh, from children against five states uh, back in uh, October 2021, uh, which is um, uh, referred to as uh, Sachi versus uh, Argentina. And then we had to work on that as well. So those are a few reasons why this has been a significant topic for us. It sounds very interesting and also challenging taking into account that you also have to work with state parties. So where where, where do you find the balance between mm -hmm. also advocating for the rights of children and their demands, which sometimes, for example, the governments may not agree with? And yeah. what's your the balance need and your role in it and how you're able to deal with that well, dynamic? That's a really perverse question you're asking. <laughs> yes. Obviously if my 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 heart says we try to always be on the side of children, and that is what should does and should comes should come first in our analysis. But we are also the, then there's another point. We are independent experts, so we we we're not beholden to states. But then again, it is the states that have ratified the convention. It's not the children themselves. Our interlocutors are the states. So we have to find a balance between seizing the issues that are important for children and at the same time know that we're going to have to mm, find a way to make as many states in the most, most uh, uh, impactful way take into account uh, children's rights on a variety of issues. And sometimes it's, a, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, even on this issue of uh, children's rights and the environment, um, we know that some states are, uh, I'd say, pretty um, opposed to some of the uh, proposals that we'll be making uh, in, the, in the coming months. Yeah, that, that's very interesting, definitely. So now we can maybe go a bit deeper into the environmental yes. aspect of it. And I would like a specific, I would like to ask a specific question regarding uh, the draft of uh, number 26. And it's basically a distinction that you make between climate change and environmental and environmental harm. Why do you think there is a difference yeah. in that? And I think also what is what I found very interesting is the fact that you have environmental impact and it's such a big topic. You have from access to water, access to food, from uh, pollution, and how are you able to incorporate child rights in all of these areas together? Mm -hmm. 
Oh boy, you're you're asking me to um, to summarize something that was discussed for hours and weeks and months, um, and it, it, we 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 reached this idea that we had to address everything as much as possible um, and not leave out important topics. So obviously, um, the easiest way would have been to focus just on climate change. Uh, but obviously, there are other issues that are uh, one step above, if you wish, that are meta issues and environmental harm is one of them. Uh, loss of biodiversity and um, and uh, is another one. And so we're, we're trying to to address all of the significant points uh, around the environment, so just for lack of a better word. Uh, but I think, as you know, in the title, we said it's with a focus on climate change uh, because that seems to be um, perhaps the most urgent issue that states should address um, uh, because of the um, of the um, um, air pollution and carbon um, footprints that uh, our societies have but uh, we're, we're addressing all the other things we're talking about uh, the right uh, to um, um, clean clean water and uh, pure air and uh, and uh, educating children to preserve the environment. I mean, there's so many different angles here that are, are necessary to address. Yeah, 100%. And I think what's really unique about environmental problems is they're also defined as a threat multiplier. Not only you have the direct threat of climate change, every other aspect of a problem, for example, a refugee crisis becomes worse with climate change, conflict becomes worse with climate change. And in that area and in that risk, what, what is the role of children, right? And what's the risk that they face and what really can be done about it to you know, protect them, to ensure that they're not uh, taken advantage of or they're not in danger? Well, you make, you make a really very important point is that um, in many ways, you could see this work as being somewhat diluted. But then if you you think about, if you, if you focus, um, I think our general point is that uh, children are the main, quote unquote, victims of environmental harm and climate change. And if nothing else, not only for this generation of children, but as we also talk about in the general comment, um, future generations. Uh, and, and when we talk about future generations, we're not talking about just um, children. We're talking about humanity as a whole. So, so yes, we go into various areas, uh, but at the same time, the focus is really on um, the, the rights of humans because children are at the forefront of what is happening to this world. And um, yeah, I, I think that focus uh, is, is very clear in, in our draft. I also have to point out, um, um, Constantinos, that um, we, we talk about uh, future generations, uh, but we also address a paradox, which is um, where do we put the the the, the emphasis on uh, adaptation to uh, all the horrible things that are happening into our environment and produced by climate change 
or do we encourage states to focus on mitigation? And um, that, that took up a lot of time in our discussions. And in fact, when you think about it, it's not the same issue depending on where you are in the world. I mean, for, for some countries, uh, mitigation is a priority, and for others, it's beyond adaptation at this point. I mean, you know, you have Pacific Islands where we know that they'll have to evacuate pretty soon and move to higher ground and that their land is going to disappear. So again, depending where you are in the world, environmental harm and, and uh, is, is, a, is a whole different topic. But the focus is on children and future generations. Yeah, it's it's very important to hear. It's really sad to see that we've even reached a point beyond uh, adaptation. But I think I'd like now to discuss a bit and focus on something more positive, mm -hmm. which is the way you were able to work with children through uh, that you have a child advisory team that yeah. I have seen. How was how that working with children? Um, how did you manage to bring all this group of children together? What was the experience like? Yeah, uh, that's that's really one of the wonderful things about working on the past two general comments because the committee has um, has um, as as you know, Article Twelve uh, of the Convention um, underscores how important it is for children's views and opinions to be taken into account. So obviously, working on a general comment, we had to put in place a methodology that would. Uh, to the maximum maximum extent possible, uh, make sure that our general comment is informed by children uh, from everywhere. Um, so we had a little bit of uh, uh, experience with general comment 25 on children's rights and uh, the digital environment. Um, but with, uh, with general comment 26, we expanded it many, many times and we were very fortunate to work with an external ex with external experts, uh, who are uh, Terre des Hommes, uh, Germany, who have a lot of experience with um, child participation, and we set up a child advisory board uh, with children representing all the regions of the world and um, trying to balance also uh, children with uh, specific issues, um, uh, which is difficult because you don't want to have a huge board. But beyond that, uh, we um, worked very hard at uh, having the drafts of our general comment be uh, translated into child-friendly uh, material to make sure that uh, we could consult online with thousands and thousands and thousands of children around the world. I, I'm not sure exactly at this point how many, but I, I think around 15,000 from what I've last heard. And when you think back to the last general comment, which was about 800 children. So we, we're, we're expanding into the digital world to make sure that as many children as possible are consulted. And then all the committee members and um, various uh, big NGOs also carried out their own consultations and, um, and uh, in-depth um, exchanges with children around the world and uh, South America and um, and Eastern Europe, and even in Switzerland, we had a bit of a discussion with several groups. So yeah, <coughs> excuse me. So it's it's been very exciting, and um, 
I don't know if you're going to ask this question, so let me try and anticipate it. Um, what, what I hear often is, well, okay, so you've consulted with these thousands of children. Do their views really make it into the general comment? And my answer is yes. Um, it's not obviously not the only views that are taken into account, but the general comment would be a very, very uh, wobbly and deficient document if we were not able to have the children participate. It really gives it a different tonality. And um, and uh, yeah, but, but obviously not all their views are taken into account just like everybody else's. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very interesting take on, on how also you have managed to increase the participation of children. Because I remember from the days that I was involved, in many organizations, uh, events would be more of a taboo issue to involve children directly in events. And mm -hmm. I, I think I've seen a real shift in attitude in terms of child participation, particularly in terms of governance or participation in such uh, initiatives. So have you also witnessed a similar trend in in a way, incorporating more children in the international yes. sphere. Why do you think that has happened? In the national sphere, you say? Both international and oh. national. Yeah, I think I think we've reached an age in which child participation has has um, has been uh, convincing as a very positive step in uh, um, governmental processes and and, and certainly in. Um, uh, how should I say it, the wider human rights um, community. So we're seeing all kinds of initiatives um, and um, it's it, it it doesn't feel like you need to convince a lot of people anymore to to put these uh, this participation in motion. It's more a matter of methodology and resources and making sure that um, the widest audience of children are consulted and not just the few who happen to be in the right place with the right capacity. I mean, we put a lot of effort into um, making sure that uh, children who are not quote unquote mainstream um, indigenous children or, or children with disabilities or um, children um, from um, less advantaged uh, so, or, or actually disadvantaged socioeconomic uh, circumstances are also part of this. And, and it takes, um, perhaps a little bit more convincing to put more effort and resources in these areas, but it's just crucial that we um, that we uh, be as inclusive as possible. Um, and, uh, and and even just another example really quickly. I mean, in the UN we have several working languages, but obviously English is incredibly dominant and my French speaking, I'm, I'm fluent in French, but my my French speaking or Spanish speaking colleagues, they complain sometimes bitterly. I mean, wait a second, we have other languages in the world and we need to also work in these languages. So for this general comment, I don't know the exact number of languages it was translated into, but uh, many, many. Um, and so, you know, that that took a bit of time and and uh, but I think it's all the, the reward in the end is that we have children from different backgrounds and different regions who participate equally. That's so great to hear because I think it's a real challenge sometimes to involve and even reach out to the children in the first place. When we're speaking, for example, even not having access to internet, how do mm -hmm. you reach out to them for the consultation? It's really 
uh, difficult and that's why sometimes you need to work with national or local organizations in order to reach out to these people. And in terms of the state of youth, we also ran actually a campaign regarding General Comment 26. Mm-hmm. We managed and it lasted actually three weeks on our social media and we received 43 opinions from young people from 23 different countries. So throughout this discussion, I would also like to point some questions that they asked okay. or that they were interested in. So now we have a, a question from uh, Sierda Eman Fatima, and she's asking, how can children's rights be better integrated into national laws and policies? And what role can civil society organizations and children themselves play in this process? Well, uh, the, the short answer is uh, exactly what she's doing, trying to reach out to a committee and uh, voice her, her um, not only request, her demand through her question. Um, you know, it's really tricky business because I, I, I want, I, I think I've sounded as positive as I can be, and I, I think we, we need to be optimistic, but obviously there are a lot of challenges. And uh, it's not an easy thing to get uh, many states to um, uh, prioritize um, the the, uh, interests of uh, children over economic interests or uh, other interests that um, mark their um, uh, country. And um, so it, it takes many different stakeholders to 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 drive this forward um and 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 i think um uh civil society is the best i don't like this word but it's it says exactly what it is meant um it civil society is the best weapon to uh, push forward um the views and interests of children in association with children themselves and we can back them up as an international uh, treaty body uh, and we do that through our dialogues with states but you know Konstantinos I think you just have to be objective the the countries where there is the most positive and rapid evolution towards more awareness of human rights and children's rights are the countries in which there's a vibrant civil society in which there's allowed to be associations of uh, of um, of uh, citizens and communities and children but that's not the case in many countries so you have to f- develop methodologies that are sometimes not quite understandable for our I, I know you come from Greece and you're 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 European as I am I mean we're, we're used to having so many opportunities to share our views and to exercise some influence but in some countries you you really don't and that's when uh, international diplomacy comes in that's where um, uh, we have to work at governmental levels and then and the specialized agencies of the un uh, that can reach uh, into the spheres of power and and have some influence but even then i mean sometimes it's just um, it's very discouraging. I, I don't want to change topics at all, but I, you know, I could cite uh, Afghanistan. We're not having any influence on any aspect of children's rights in, in, in Afghanistan at this point. And uh, it's an absolute um, horrifying shame. So there you go. What do we do? 
But uh, the question from uh, the, the young lady uh, is, is really good. We, we just need to be mobilized to understand that there are several actors and, um, and just carry our passion forward and make sure that children feel that they're included in sharing that passion. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's a very difficult situation, like you mentioned, in many countries. And now, in terms of moving forward with implementation after mm -hmm. the period of drafting, what's the process? And do you have a timeline for when you expect the final draft yes. to be released? Yes, we do. And you're speaking to a Swiss, so the clock is ticking <laughs> on various uh, moments. So we're working on uh, integrating all the comments from um, stakeholders, children, and governments, and um, there's where we're. What, that's what we're working on, um, full speed at this point. And then in uh, our next session of the committee in May, we're going to uh, have a, a, a smaller task force making editorial compromises, integrating as much as possible all the comments that make sense into the um, into the last draft. And then what happens is that we're going to read through a couple of times in a plenary, all 18 members, every word and every syllable and every sentence and every paragraph. And we're going to spend a lot of time arguing <laughs> and uh, finding the best wording and making changes. And, uh, and, and the, the short story after that is that we very, very much intend to adopt the uh, final draft or adopt the general comments at the end of May. Um, so that will be the formal step. That, at that point, it will be adopted, but it won't be public quite yet because within the UN system, a document doesn't become effectively public until it's translated into the various uh, UN languages, which takes another month. So by the end of June, early July, there will be a general comment. And then we just hope that everyone around the world will seize this document and see the point of using it to advance children's rights in the environment. And last point, we'll have an official launch in September during the following session, but that doesn't mean that there can't be launches before that in various uh, countries or by various organizations. I mean, the more people, the more buzz, the better. And uh, and then finally, in terms of implementation, sorry, I have to bring this in as well. And again, apologies for the long answers, but um, implementation will, will also be for the committee to be able to use the general comments when we meet with states and their gov and governments and say, look, now you have guidance. Now you know what you have to do to, to protect children's rights in the, in the sphere of the environment. What are you doing? What do you count on doing? And we'll be pushing them uh, to, to, to follow through. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting to hear actually also seeing the state perspective. And I would like to ask regarding the evaluation process, and the implementation from governments. How do you ensure once that they're they're implemented? Second, what happens if they're not implemented? And mm -hmm. the health side of it, how do you ensure the accuracy of the data and reports that they provide? Yeah, that's um, in my opinion a bit of a weakness of the um, of the the human rights system as it has been set up 
for all these past decades since uh, since uh, the late 40s and early 50s, so 70 years already. And, and by the way, we're celebrating 75 years of the Universal Declaration for of Human Rights. Um, so, so states ratify conventions. They are binding conventions. It means that they solemnly promise not only the international community, but most importantly, their citizens, and in our case, the children of their country, that they're going to faithfully implement. Well, you and I know that that's not the case on many, many issues, and there are no sanctions that make that can uh, be applied uh, to states other than uh, pointing out their failures and making sure that they don't. They can't be proud of a record that doesn't meet the standards that they should be meeting. Um, so how do we know whether they're doing a good job or not in the impact? Well, we're very lucky again to have uh, specialized UN agencies. We have uh, children that are defenders of human rights that uh, let us know where things are not happening, happening um, in a uh, um, in an expected way. We have uh, civil society. And we have a lot of courageous people who are providing information, sometimes um, in a confidential way. So we have information, but you can't convince a state that doesn't want to act to act. I mean, that's you need a minimum. You have to be two to tango. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That sounds like very challenging uh, work. And I actually also like to reflect on the question that Mohammed Hassan asked who is uh, saying, does the CRC committee meet governments directly to implement general combats? For example, if you work with ministers or presidents or the parliament, for example, or it's more like a consulting and overseeing role. Uh, well, a part of our, ma our mandate doesn't really uh, provide for um, specific avenues to work with um, uh, governments outside of the dialogues we have during the sessions when we review uh, how they're carrying out uh, the implementation of the convention. But we've become more activists uh, as years have gone by. And uh, several, not all the members, but many um, have been uh, very um, active in their regions or to, I should say, informally. But, you know, informal when you're a member of the committee, it, it's always a little, you can't hide the fact that you're a member and that that carries a bit of weight. So we we also engage in sort of private initiatives and support civil society. Um, and we attend many conferences and we meet with children around the world. I mean, I'm looking really, I'm very much looking forward in April to attending the first child um, African summit in uh, Nairobi, where there will be uh, a conference led by hundreds of children and one of the main topics will be the environment and uh, th they will be working on strategies to move things forwards and I'll be supporting that and many of my colleagues are doing similar things um, elsewhere in the world. Um, you know, I, I do want to be very, very humble. Um, I think the committee can do a lot of good, but the best ambassadors of children's rights are children themselves. I mean, the, 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 
the uh, passion and engagement of so many ch children around the world is is um, just inspiring basically even for us who are have our nose in this these issues all the time and then one last point i wanted to bring up which is also a message to anyone who listens to this podcast um, a lot of governments you know they 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 see groups of children who may even have very good proposals and they keep thinking oh yeah but they're only children so so children um even however convincing they are they'll be even more effective when they're able to introduce um binding uh processes within the judicial system within the administration of a country so access to justice and having sure that they're uh players within how a country is regulated, how to get them to act is, is, is a really important aspect. And I come back to the complaint we had uh, from, um, from uh, 16 children in Saatchi versus Argentina, France, Turkey, Germany, and Argentina, I forget one. Um, that was an eye-opener for many countries. Wow, children are banding together, and that was not the only lawsuit. There's several around the world, and I think that is also an avenue. Don't be shy of of uh, getting into uh, trying to get the judicial system to uh, follow through on your demands. Truly, truly, it's really empowering to see, in a way, uh, such active advocacy and activism, mm. and. I think at the same time, you also have the issue of children actually not knowing their rights in, in lot of parts mm -hmm. of the world, or adults, as you said, even not recognizing these rights, partic in particular the right to participation. So you, you still need, you still think that there needs to be an expansion of their rights and raising awareness for the issue, yeah. globally, but also, but also in Europe. No, I think you're exactly right, and uh, we're we're a little bit um, privileged in that sense. Uh, for your own individual reasons and my own, we were able to be exposed to what rights are and how we can be um, uh, effective in um, in claiming them and exercising them. And it's a huge challenge to bring um, knowledge of rights to vast, vast segments of society and all around the world. And as you said, even in Europe, I know just to switch a little bit gears, I, I know many adult young women who have no idea of their full um, human rights as women or children or adults with disabilities who don't fully know the full range of their uh, rights. So. Um, the answer to that is, uh, again, pushing governments to disseminate uh, uh, knowledge about that, but also pushing for education within the education system, making sure that uh, human rights are a, a topic that is addressed from kindergarten onwards. I mean, uh, you can adapt knowledge to very young children, and that's, um, that's also something that we'll be working on in the next few years. It sounds like a very interesting uh, take. And this, I would also like to lead a question that uh, a person asked on uh, our social media, Samuel Ezekiel, who 
who asked, won't children take advantage of adults if they are taught about their rights? <laughs> Will children take ad advantage of adults? I hope they do. <laughs> I, 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 I welcome that. Um, uh, I, I, I assume his position is that children will um, make Maybe sure that them. we don't, that adults are not exploiting them and that they'll, they'll fight back against uh, against that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, it's look, I, I, what, let, me, let me answer that differently. Um, uh, children in many ways are um, locked out of the system and um, it's only right that if they're aware of their uh, rights and uh, the possibilities that they push back as best they can against the adults that are not recognizing their, the full extent of the rights. And if sometimes it gets, goes a little bit too far, well, I think it's a just uh, retribution for the adults who have not been uh, sufficiently aware of what they should have been doing all along. That's, that's very interesting to hear. And um, it's a bit uh, revolutionary what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe maybe I should tell children, okay, but don't 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 push back too hard. <laughs> so, but sometimes it may be needed. Yeah, maybe. But I think we should be allies as best we can. I mean, there are lots of uh, like-minded adults who really do care deeply about um, working with children. I, I was going to say helping, but that's not the right word. Collaborating with children mm -hmm. uh, to uh, further uh, their rights because it only enriches our society and makes it more resilient for all the challenges that we face. Yeah, I think pretty much self-participation is a partnership and a process yeah. rather than uh, just one single event, for example. It's, it's a whole process mm -hmm. that you have used as well in your report. And, and this leads us to basically the conclusion. And I'd like to thank you very much for this discussion. It was very insightful and uh, I came to understand a lot actually about how the committing the rights of the child work. And, uh, the way general comments work and, and I think it's definitely interesting if uh, someone is invested into the children rights work to see how it all leads up to a general comment. I don't know if you want to add anything or a message. Oh, I, I also want to thank you Konstantinos um, and uh, uh, Kids Rights uh, for being able putting making this a possibility. I mean this is one tool in the toolbox to further um, disseminate important issues and I'm glad um, I contributed and thank you for all the questions that you asked for and the questions that you relayed for several children. Um, and and I guess my, my, my only um, final thought is uh, don't stop here, keep going and, yeah. uh, and keep hold our feet to the fire. I mean follow up on the general comment um, you know, after the launch, let's uh, let's let's assess if it's been successful, helpful, having an impact. We we just have to keep the everything going. For sure, for sure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I think that's a wrap. Maybe we can start the recording.
Yes, I will stop the recording. Oh, now she comes back. That was uh, 